Hi there and a very warm welcome as every Friday to Bergos Now. My name is Aurelia Rauch and I invited a guest today to look at inflation. Well, really, actually, the interest rate landscape. His name is Christoph Jung and I'm glad to see him for the second time on this podcast. Hi, Christoph. Hi, Aurelia. Good to see you. So, uh, inflation, interest rate, what's going on? You want to dive right in? Yeah, sure. Um, recently, uh, inflation has slowly cooled from last year's high. But the price pressures are still being felt and this led actually the central banks to react on that. So in May we had two decisions, so the one from the Fed and one from the ECB. And both were actually quite similar. They increased rates by 25 basis points. So in the eventually uh, Fed is now in the interest rate band to 5 to 5.25%. And the ECB key interest rate is now at 3.25%. And but what's changed a little bit is the mood or, or what's going on in the future. And uh, for the US in particular, the assumption is now um, that is a wait and see mode that they are going into a wait and see mode kind of. And the uh, Fed believes until the end of year to make no interest rate cuts according to the dot plots. But the market has or had at least had until recently their a really different opinion. Um, if we look at the future contracts in the financial market, the market participants expected interest rate cuts of over 50 basis points starting in the second half of 2023. And this is a significant discrepancy. But you can also see, especially in the last weeks, um, that the market is more going into the direction of the Fed. And now, the market participants expected a little bit less uh, interest rate cuts, but still they are more pessimistic. Okay, Chris, so I get that. So uh, sort of taking that as a basis, of course, I would like to know what is our view on all of this and why? Yeah, uh, put it simply, I mean, rising interest rates lead to lower lending and more money is saved. As a result, less money is spent, which slows down economic growth, but also lowers inflation. But uh, if, you, if the economy slows down too much, the national bank will react and possibly lower its interest rates. And this whole mechanism we have to kind of get, you know, with, with data. So when we want to forecast interest rate developments and determine what's our positioning, we look at a variety of data. And to, to make it a little bit, uh, make it very, very short, um, also for you, the most important drivers include economic growth, inflation, the labor market and credit conditions. So, of course, everything is strongly inter interconnected. But I want to talk a little bit about these four factors, actually. Okay. So just because, uh, Chris, I want to make it super clear. What was the first one? Yeah, um, actually, economic growth. And uh, aside, so to assess economic growth, use published GDP figures. Uh, and also leading indicators such as the Purchasing Manager Index. Okay. And the Purchasing Manager Index is a, an economic indicator made of monthly reports and surveys of private companies. And the focus is there really the, the company and the Purchasing Manager itself. Uh, and they are asked about the developments of uh, new orders, order backlogs, purchasing quantity, but also purchase prices and sale prices. And probably also to you, if you read something about the PMI, uh, a reading of the Purchasing Manager Index below the reference line of 50 
indicates that business in the industry contracted compared to the previous month, while a value above 50 signals grow. And in the current environment, uh, we also distinguish between manufacturing and services. And we see there um, a really a, a, a trend for the world development countries. So we see that the manufacturing sector has been weakening for quite a while. Yeah. And there uh, we see especially uh, a falling order intakes. So uh, this is actually a, a bad sign. But on the other hand, we see that the service sector is very strong. And uh, hence it has a value above 50. And in the survey, if you go also more into detail, you see also that they pretty much increased the prices. And this, hence it's also very likely a driver for inflation. And yeah, and they said inflation are also one measure we are looking at all the time. It's the second factor and you mentioned, I think, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, another measure we look uh, for sure is a headline inflation and core inflation. Mm -hmm. And there may be short, again, a small definition. Uh, I mean, the, for example, the consumer price index is usually used for headline inflation. And the consumer price index measures the change in price of goods and services representative of household consumption. Okay. And on the other hand, uh, the core inflation ignores trends in energy and food and is therefore considered as less volatile. So um, currently, what we do see, uh, we see actually that uh, inflation, the headline inflation is, is coming down, but the core inflation remains stubbornly high. And if we look at the numbers for the Eurozone and also for the United States, we see that the core inflation is around 5.5, 5 5.6% uh, in the Eurozone, 5.5 for the US uh, uh, for, for, the last, for the last months. So as mentioned in the beginning, core inflation shows a certain persistence due to rising prices in the service sector, but also due to housing rents and housing costs. It is clear that inflation is still well above the 2% target. And Christoph, the third indicator, if I remember correctly, is labor market. Is that right? Was that the third? Yeah, uh, at least one of those factors I mentioned. Um, the third factor we are looking is labor, as you said. And of course, there is the unemployment figure, which is an important factor. And what we see here, uh, also very similar in a lot of development countries, that uh, that that they are very low by historical standards. Mm. So the, the figure in the United States is, is around 3.5 and for the Eurozone 6.5. And this is very low. And this speaks actually to a continued solid demand uh, in the economy. But there is also a certain bargaining power in wages. So, and why I speak about labor, for the assessment uh, of inflationary tendencies, it is very important to look at the development of wages and salaries. Mm -hmm. Since uh, for companies, the fixed cost block uh, is, is usually consists of human capital, right? And if you want to keep the margins the same, this has to be done by higher prices or other sa cost savings. And actually, there is a sign that the, that the wage costs are, are growing and, and quite stable on a, on, a, on a higher level. So that even uh, in real terms, it might be possible that, um, that there is some wage growth next year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, actually, the, the last indicator I want to speak about a little bit is the, is, is the credit condition. 
uh, and that's why also the which has recent sharply in recent times and uh, I will go there a little bit more into detail as well because uh, it's a very very important factor go for it so um, uh, bank credit growth itself is a, is a very reliable barometer of the economy since uh, if a banks uh, as, as well as the companies are confident that the profits can be generated the people on both sides remain eager to invest, if you will. And so, um, however, the result of the last bank lending service in the US and the US were rather worrying. So in the US Federal Reserve, there is a, there's a survey called Senior Loan Officer Opinion Survey. And a similar one for the ECB is called a Bank Lending Survey. And both reported a significant tightening of lending standards uh, to businesses and households compared to three months earlier. And this tightening of lending standards um, is, is due to both the expected decline in loan demand, but also fears that cr the credit quality will deteriorate, uh, especially in respect to future e economic conditions. So to sum it, the, the bank risk tolerance is, is really, really dislining. Mm -hmm. And in principle, this effect has a similar impact as a key interest rate hike, as it should lead to a slowdown in the economic activity through the credit channel. And indirectly then also, as I said in the beginning, a decline in inflation. However, it is still difficult to assess how much less the Federal Reserve and other central banks will have to do. But I think we have to watch this development carefully. Christoph, of course, the question on the table would be how are we positioned in all of that, right? What are our conclusions? What, what do we take from that and how do we act? Yeah, in, in summary, uh, the, the economy is growing but tending to slow down. Uh, inflation figures are still far above the target of the central banks. The labor market is very robust, but it looks like that it's losing momentum. And the credit is tightening. So the credit condition is tightening. So in summa, our assessment has led us to increase duration slightly in US dollar. We believe the end of the rate cycle seems to be near, but also we saw that the longer dated US government bond yields have not really recovered after the sharp drop in March. So in March, for example, the 10 year US treasury yield um, fell quite rapidly from around 4% to 3.4. And then moved into a corridor between three, four, and three, six, uh, which lead us to suspect suspect that the yields have settled at this level, kind of. Uh, that there is no a, a clear change of direction. Yes, uh, I mean a clear change of direction is given if a crisis will develop and the Fed will actually have to cut interest rates, or that inflation development is surprising are surprisingly different than expected. Or, for example, that the debt ceiling in the United States is not raised. Uh, and there we see uh, actually also some developments. Also the, the probability of the latest scenario has risen in recent days. So what we also can observe in the risk premiums and thus also in the yield of short-dated US government bonds, uh, their yield have uh, risen noticeably. Um, however, if a crisis can be avoided and the focus is on fighting inflation, this argument for stable to, to tighter credit spreads on corporate bonds and rather stagnating leads, yields on the long-term US government bonds are, are, are clearly given for us. In Europe, 
we see a somewhat different picture and we believe that there is still room for yields to rise. Uh, Europe is still lagging a bit behind the curve uh, and it, it has to be more done to fight inflation, we think. So in, in the euro area, we are still short on duration uh, because we think they are not there yet. And just generally, Christoph, can I ask you, I mean, I, I, the picture that I get also, of course, from chats with your colleagues here and just general sort of insights and in, in, in your day to day business, I feel like there's obviously lots of uncertainty in the markets, right? Like, would you agree? It's a pretty uncertain time. Yes, absolutely. Um, and because of this remaining uh, uncertainty, we are looking for ways to intelligently keep the credit quality of the portfolio high. So we believe that corporate bonds, for example, are mostly fair valued and there are only limited opportunities to spread compression, as we do expect an economic slowdown this year in our base case scenario. However, we are happy to selectively accept the carry, uh, as that is the slightly higher yield compared to government bonds. Um, but also because we think that the volatility in the portfolio can be kept in check with high-grade corporate bonds and rather short duration. Um, but on the other side, we currently see the relative risk premium of higher bonds as too low because we suspect that the default probabilities will increase in the future. And this tightening credit condition I talked about before are actually uh, a condition which is difficult for companies with a low credit can to cope with. And especially if the credit uh, economic growth slowly slows down, uh, it, 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 it actually doesn't help them very much. So, so they're, they're struggling yeah. even more. So in our opinion, they would have to pay a higher risk premium also in this, this environment. Yeah, and uh, finally, we continue to see emerging market as attractive. The past experience shown that when the Fed changed direction, emerging market have been a significant blowing opportunity. In addition, emerging bond yields are appealing and they're approaching long-term highs. And um, also, if you have an opinion about the US dollar, which is weakening, uh, especially in local currency, emerging market bonds could look attractive. You, you're looking at me like this is all you want to say, Christoph. Is there something left? Yes, no, that's, uh, I think that was it. And uh, <laughs> thank you very much for the interview. Thank you, Christoph. It was really insightful. Thank you very much for um, shedding some light on this, on this field. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Aurelio. And we thank you, as always, very much for listening. We have nothing less left to say than have a beautiful weekend. And we will be back with more from Vegas now next Friday, when we actually are going to talk about glaciers and art promises to be wonderful. Wishing you a great time until then. Bye-bye.